Welcome to the continuing series of special programs brought to you by the Union County, Ohio Drug-Free Coalition. I'm Pete Emmons, your host. Today, we are exploring the risk of teenage gambling. Our expert panel includes Derek Longmire, Executive Director of the Problem Gambling Network in Ohio, Mylan Karna, Problem Gambling Project Director with the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, and Scott Anderson, Licensed Chemical Dependence Counselor, LCDC2, Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Hey, gentlemen, welcome to the show, and thank you so much in advance for taking time out of your busy schedule to really share your professional expertise on this serious issues. You know, gambling has really become more prevalent in our American culture, and it's resonating with youth. And it's been reported uh, that children, for example, have been gambling by age 12 are four times more likely to actually develop a gambling addiction. And that 10 to 14 percent of teens, 12 to 17, are actually at risk. Now, here in Union County, a recent YES survey uh, indicated that 15.7% of teens have gambled in the past year, and 25% have actually lied to others about this activity. Now, I could go on and on about these statistics, but all I will say is, boy, these are really eye-openers to start with. So the first question that I really have for all of you simply is, have you seen an increase and youth participation in gambling activity in the last two years. And the second part of it is, uh, what do you primarily attribute the current trend to? So as an opening, Derek, I'm gonna begin with you. Thank you for having me. And really, as we're looking at just the opportunities to gamble, they've increased substantially over the last few years for all ages. And as we look at really the line between video games and gambling, it just continues to blur. Some of that's just through the gambling elements that are available through those games, such as virtual casinos that might be a component of those video games. And also technology has shifted. And with that, there's also those microtransactions or loot boxes that can kind of be a part of that, where you spend your 99 cents and it opens up this magical surprise. And all those are elements of gambling. And I just look at to when I was a kid and we had Nintendo, the, the most people you could play with was at most one other to now you can play with individuals near and far. And that also just allows for engagement, but also some challenges with that engagement. Wide open boundaries now, as opposed to what you were saying earlier when, we, when you were growing up at an earlier time frame. Mylon, add on to uh, what Derek said. Yeah, well, uh, it's good to be with you here, Pete. You know, certainly the environment has changed in the last two years. And, you know, as we look at a number of protective factors, the number of things that our youth participate in, uh, their sense of community has been, for many, uh, has has changed. And so having that adaptation from maybe doing some things that are in person to more of that virtual environment, and then having that exposure to where the risk factors are increased, where, you know, they're in an environment that some of the technology things that Derek mentioned is more prevailing. So it, it makes sense that some of the, the statistics that we have uh, preliminarily seen here has increased. So uh, certainly the way that we move forward, uh, we all, uh, not just uh, for our youth, adapt and, and having to maybe balance out some things and kind of look for more holistic ways to be more healthy. Scott? Uh, one of the things that, that happened in the last two years was we're all working from home. So it's easy to tell the kids, get out of my hair. I'm on a Zoom with Union County. You need to go down the basement and play your game and stay away from me and be quiet down there. So a lot of parents didn't know what their kids were up to, really. 
the NBA Y2 game has a casino built into it. So if you're getting tired of basketball, you can just switch over and play roulette. There's no age restriction on the access in those video games. Uh, loot boxes appear in games like you know the, the first-person shooter games and Grand Theft Auto and those games where loot boxes come into the screen and, and kids can either make a microtransaction uh, pay for it or they can use points to pay for it and they can get an empty box or something really cool. So it's absolutely gambling. Now, our survey showed that uh, 18 to 34-year-olds were at risk but we don't think for a second that somebody turned 18 and ran down to Sunoco to play the lottery, right? They, they had to have some knowledge of that before that 18th birthday. So uh, like the other gentlemen have said, the normalization, the access, the availability, the opportunity for gambling is pretty much wide and far for everyone. Well, let's break down some of the specific types of gambling uh, that you're seeing that youth are really uh, engaged in a lot. So we're just going to do a little roundtable here and break some of these down for you. Derek, you've talked a little bit about this already, but elaborate more on video game activity. What are we talking about here and, and also arcades, that sort of thing? Well, as we look at video games, video games have expanded just so exponentially in the last even 10 years where before you'd have to go to Walmart and, and buy that console and buy that game that goes into a machine. And now the video games can be on your phone uh, or they can be on the consoles that you have. So just the accessibility and availability of, of video games have expanded exponentially. And then as marketers and the game developers have found that you can get a lot more money if you have those microtransactions built in than if you charge $50 for a game at the onset. So as those technologies have, have transitioned, then there's a lot of, we call freemium games, which are games that are free to play, but then there's kind of that premium element to it where you have those opportunities then to spend that 99 cents and those 99 cents at a time can really add up and can become problematic. Speak a little bit about even video game activity for really young children. I mean, it's very alarming when you hear when you hear stories about three, four, or five-year-olds that are engaged in some of these video games when there's components really underlying related to gambling. As, well, just as we look at living in COVID, and I have a half, I have a three and a half-year-old, and my wife and I both work full-time, and daycare was closed. So figuring out how do we balance work with caring for her, she can't maintain herself. So it can be really tempting to give the iPad and say just just focus on this and, and play your games for a while and just how we're in con connected with the internet, then those games can easily jump into other things and, and take you to other elements within the wonderful world of the web, but then also do a lot of priming. And as we look at the sounds that you might find in a casino, they are the exact same sounds that my daughter's toys make. So they're just happy little tingles that really kind of set that, that nice little tone. Absolutely. Mylan, sports betting has become more and more prominent. Uh, it started obviously with the college level, but now it's even trickling down where it's even affecting at a high school level where you've got people betting on you know, games and this sort of thing as well. But talk to us about uh, sports betting, also fantasy sports betting is a whole other component. Yeah, you know, so much has evolved over the years. I know as a college student, you know, I grew up as someone who liked baseball cards and I first remember getting into fantasy sports as far as uh, just wanting to kind of have a good barometer of statistics because uh, that was something that I liked. I just like baseball statistics. Uh, nowadays, it seems as though the things that uh, you, know, you can compete on a fantasy level for 
what's advertised as large sums of money, it, it seems as something that can be lucrative, or it is at least advertised as something that's really lucrative. And so, you know, there is that appeal, uh, you know, youth certainly love sports and, and being able to feel as though that you can construct your own team and, and potentially win money is certainly a lucrative enterprise. Um, as far as sports gambling too, you know, that, that's been something that's been around for quite a while now. Uh, and, and when we look at our 2017 data, that was our, as far as adults are concerned, I, I want to make sure that that's clear, but um, that was the most prevalent activity. And so often youth mimic adults. And so that has only evolved. And, and uh, you know, one thing that uh, I think I was uh, watching one of Scott's interviews and, and he mentioned, you know, it, during an NFL game, you have 120 plays and, you know, you can now wager on virtually every play. And, and, you know, there's actually what, 18 minutes of actual play. But, you know, that's something that as far as someone who may have lost, uh, you know, perpetually chasing those losses. And so, and it can't even be as, as easy as something, you know, when, when you do have youth, particularly high school, and as they progressively get older, uh, you know, some of them may have jobs, may have income for the first time. And so they might not have also the finance skills to budget and, and to think of things, you know, it may be like, well, you know, I didn't have $600 in, in the past. So, you know, uh, it, it would be so easy and tempting to make a wager to, to increase that. So certainly we can talk about uh, parent involvement later, but, you know, that, that is certainly a key element in, in uh, preventing a lot of, you know, what youth do and, and, you know, hopefully building them with the proper skills to, to make the best decisions for themselves. Several excellent points there, especially the point that struck me was, uh, again, kids mimicking and seeing their parent guardians uh, engaging in all kinds of sport betting, too, obviously having a major impact on them as well. Another whole area, again, and we could take the whole entire time and break all of these down and talk just all about them, but we're not going to do that, of course. But, Scott, peer dares are seeming to become more and more part of the equation now with teenagers. Well, if you look at social media, Facebook and TikTok and whatever else the, the kids are doing now, you know, you eat Tide Pods or dump buckets of water on your head or, or do something and then you film it and you put it on and you hope for the likes and the responses and the, and the engagements and the shares. So there's a, a, an awful lot of that. And that, that's very much in the realm of gambling that, um, you know, gambling is risking something of value. So in that instance, value is my reputation or it's my self uh, opinion or my self-worth or being humiliated, you know, on the internet. Um, and those can be very, very dangerous. A lot of those activities, um, some are even illegal, let alone dangerous. So um, kids get involved in that stuff. So, and this is a great time, I want to talk about the sports betting, you know, let's not fill out brackets with your kids. Let's not go on your fantasy app and have your kids pick players and pick teams. You know, hopefully you wouldn't give your kids a little airplane bottle of scotch or a pack of smokes and, you know, see how they were going to do with that. So uh, people overlook that gambling is every bit as, as risky and, and can be every bit as detrimental as substances. Now, in addition to that, uh, even so much as betting on card games or trading cards seem to be a big thing too. And kids, you know, kids don't have necessarily access to the cash. Uh, so they might bet sneakers or jewelry or, I'll do your homework or, you know, any number of, of you know, my, my jacket, my, my, cool, my cool shirt, whatever. 
Uh, so that's a, a great opportunity for parents. You know, if, if your son all of a sudden comes home with something he didn't have when he went to school or he comes home without something he had when he went to school, you know, there's a good opportunity for some questions there. Well, there's a lot of uh, warning signs, and you started to get into that a little bit here, too, that teens are really starting to really experiencing some sort of a gambling issue. Derek, what about the effect on the academic performance level of students that are engaged in gambling activity? Well, as we look at risk and protective factors, we know that the risk and protective factors for gambling are nearly identical to the risk and protective factors for alcohol and other drugs, which in turn can have those negative effects, especially on academic performance. And it just makes sense. If you're staying up all night, if you're preoccupied with your gambling, if you're worried about how you're going to pay back your losses, you're just not going to be able to focus on academics and perform as well as you could or should. And also really being mindful of that potential shift from that healthy coping mechanism to those unhealthy coping mechanisms. And especially as we're looking at COVID times and young people were forced out of their schools and kind of had to do it alone for a while that some of the video games could be a way to connect with their friends and could could be part of that healthy coping mechanism. So we don't want to make it seem like all video gaming is bad, but just really being mindful that there's healthy ways to engage and then that can then shift to some of those unhealthy things of like only staying up all night and gambling and kind of being in your isolation, which of course will have impacts on academic performance as well. And certainly consumption of their time when they could be engaged in studying and doing the academic things is switching to that to gambling activity too. It certainly could have major impacts as well. Now, other whole area is, of course, is a social area. Mylon, comment a little bit about some of the social signals uh, that we're talking about here that uh, youth may be engaged in some sort of gambling activity. We're talking about withdrawal, depression, and those types of things? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the key tells when someone does, you know, stop responding, you know, someone that you expect them to do certain things, having that isolation, certainly those are um, some warning signs as well. And, uh, you know, there is a complete list of uh, some of those tells on changethegameohio.org. There are some really outstanding resources for not only parents, educators, but also for uh, youth to uh, also, you know, learn more about some of those warning signs. Really a lot of great resources on there to help educate on the issue. There, there are so many things that we could all learn as far as the issues with uh, problem gambling and and certainly, you know, some of the gaming types of issues that we have discussed here as well. Derek mentioned uh, the issues with grades. You know, certainly when you see a lot of degradation and, you know, maybe someone that was a straight A student and now suddenly they're, you know, getting C's, D's and F's, maybe if they have a job and they're not showing up to work, you know, certainly things that, you know, with the responsibilities that have previously had for maybe a young, young person, a young adult there is that uh, decline and, and uh, you know, also, you know, attitude and maybe being stressed or, or being aggravated because of losses, uh, certainly uh, indications of, of potential things that may be uh, resulting from their uh, gaming gambling activity. Scott, take this to another level and speak to us about long-term effects uh, that potentially that gambling issues could have for the teens going forth uh, into the job market or college and those sorts of things. As, as you mentioned in the opening with your statistics, we know that, that the age of onset plays a huge role. So kids that are exposed to gambling either through family or through their social circle or whatever. And even, you know, this is why we recommend you don't put lottery tickets in kids' Christmas socks, you know, 
So you have a, a seven or an eight and nine year old kid that scratches off a ticket from grandma in Arizona and he wins 50 bucks. You know, 50 bucks would be a lot for me right now. But imagine the, the power differential in a family when you have three kids and two kids lose and one kid wins. You know, that, that can set up. And then that kid thinks, well, that was easy. You know, I can run down and I see, see these vending machines at the supermarket that don't seem very well supervised. I can probably take a few dollars down there and throw it in there and do this again. So the threat of that is that early big win uh, leads those kids at some point to think, wow, this is easy and I'm good at it. Um, and then the games are, that are on phones and the video games, I'm good at this. So I'm good at this and I'm good at this. I bet I could take this skill down to the casino when I turn 21 and I can, I can elevate my game. So that normalization and that, that sort of socialization right into the, the patterns and outcomes is, is very, very dangerous. So, and then we know that in kids that engage in one or more of these types of coping things, whether it be cigarettes or alcohol or marijuana, violence, whatever it might be, add gambling to that mix, that they're, they're much more likely to be engaged and have resource or uh, detrimental consequences from all of those things, you know, at, at a sooner and a more severe level. Well, bottom line, it appears to me that these behaviors can then become conditioned patterns that can keep building over time and even into adulthood and affect major different areas. Gambling is the only one of these things that offers the element of hope, right? You're not going to drink until your life gets better. You're not going to smoke crack until your bills are paid. But gambling could actually help, right? I could win. I could hit the jackpot. I could, my slot machine could pay off. My next card could, could land. I, you know, I could win. This next ticket could be the one. Uh, so that looks like a solution rather than a problem. Good point taken there with that too. Well, we could easily take the rest of time on this podcast and just talk about all the signs and warning signals and all the negativity associated with this, but we want to flip the switch right now and talk about positive interventions and strategies and things that can be done to really make a difference in addressing this issue. Now, Derek, we have talked a little bit already about the tremendous influence of parent guardians. This is obviously a huge part of the issue in really addressing and providing some positive support here, but what would be some key prevention strategies uh, that parent guardians should use if they notice that their son or their daughter is uh, having some different behaviors that are and are just not acting themselves related to the gambling activity. What are a few key tips here? Are we talking about active li listening and establishing more trust, those types of things? Well, we know that peers are the, or parents are the number one influencer for youth behavior. So just knowing how much you as a parent have in terms of power for, for helping push in the right direction and also really just being there to, to listen and learn. And we know that if a young person has a trusting adult that they can share information with, or if they have engaged parents, if they have strong connections with the community, all of those can help be protective and, and help get those resources moving in the right way. And the, the key understanding is really recognizing that gambling can be problematic. And we have so much focus on other substance use issues and a lot of related to opiates. And I certainly don't want to minimize the impact of opiates because it's greatly crippling communities, but just recognizing that gambling can be equally as impactful for those individuals and those families, and it's far more available. And just also recognizing that we can do a lot as parents and really make changes in our young people but knowing what these impacts are and really understanding what gaming is, what gambling is, and how gambling is coming into the lives of those everyday 
uh, young people is important as well. Mylon, anything else to add on about parent guardians? I think I would just like to add to Derek's point that, you know, it is vital that parents uh, do discuss gambling with their children. Unfortunately, only one third of parents have discussed gambling with their children, which means two thirds of parents have not. Again, I want to mention Change the Game Ohio has a discussion guide for parents to equip them to have that conversation, be educated on the issue, and just to be able to have that informed conversation, have the talking points that they need to have with their uh, child about uh, their gambling behavior. The things that we are seeing are constantly evolving. You know, we haven't even touched upon NFTs and things of that nature. And I think you know, with uh, the folks that are involved with the Ohio for Responsible Gambling, are always working on uh, toolkits and a number of other things to educate the public at large about what is going on. And so I think it's something that needs to be discussed on an ongoing basis. And to equip parents, I think a wonderful resource is, again, changethegameohio.org. And early intervention, uh, when parent guardians are noticing that there are, there are issues with their son or daughter, obviously would be another major key right there, too. Scott, there are all kinds of resources that you have, supports available. Put out a few of those for us. Uh, we have, <clears throat> as mentioned, Change the Game Ohio, changethegameohio.org. And there's resources, warning signs, uh, helpful conversation starters. And, and we also have for the adults, beforeyoubet.org. And that's, uh, that's for the adult folks that engage in, in gambling. And then we have uh, uh, PGNO, Problem Gambling Network of Ohio, pgnohio.org. Uh, there's resources there. And you can get a hold of any of the three of us and, and any, anyone else involved uh, through any one of those sites, and we can answer any questions that you might have. We also have a, a gambling helpline number, 1-800-589-9966, and that number is answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and you can get uh, help and guidance uh, on that helpline as well for yourself or a loved one. Put that number out there one more time. one 800 589-9966. Excellent. Derek, uh, any other resources that you want to put out there? The only other resource that I would share would be the National Council on Problem Gambling. So if you're outside of Ohio, there's resources available through you as well. And we as Problem Gambling Network of Ohio are the Ohio affiliate to NCPG. So if you go to ncpgambling.org, you can get additional information there from a national perspective. Perfect. Well, I know that we could easily continue our conversation on for probably four or five more hours, um, but you know what? That clock is ticking, and I haven't figured out how to stop it yet. If I could, I would right now, gentlemen. I'd love to continue this conversation with, with all of you. You've all provided excellent resources and information for all of our listeners. And as we wrap up, I'd like each of you to share a special closing message that you want to put out there about youth gambling and put your best contact information out there as well as your best social media sites. So Derek, still with you. First thing, just get engaged and ask those questions to your young people and know that they're not going to maybe recognize that they're gambling. So just be good listeners, ask those questions. For our information, you can visit us at pgnohio.org and you can also visit us on Facebook and LinkedIn at pgnohio. Excellent. And I know that Nancy Beals, the Union County Drug-Free Coalition Coordinator, will be putting out those resources up on their Facebook page, as well as an added reference for everybody, too. Mylan. My email is mylan, M-I-L-A-N, dot karna, K-A-R-N-A, at mha.ohio.gov. Um, certainly can visit the 
Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addictions Services uh, website at mha.ohio.gov. You know, certainly feel free for anyone that uh, wants to reach out to Scott and I. There's you know a number of other things that uh, we would certainly uh, be able to provide or help with. Uh, we're just uh, email a call away. I just want to mention, you know, I started in December of 2020, and and uh, you know, having the pleasure to work with Scott and Derek, just learning about all of the great collaboration that's happening here in Ohio, the history that we've had, and you know, I think there truly are a number of dedicated professionals that are uh, willing to come together on this issue from uh, working with, uh, you know, protecting our youth to helping those that are in uh, need. So a great number of things that are happening in Ohio. And certainly there are numerous challenges ahead of us with uh, legalization of sports gambling. And, and I think we have, you know, a great number of folks that are, they're going to ensure that, you know, the, the harm of this is going to be minimized as much as possible. Excellent. Scott. Just to move forward on what both of the, uh, my friends said, um, know what your kids are doing. Rather than tell them to go downstairs and play their game and get out of your hair, go play the game. Find out what games they're playing and what's involved and what's accessible in those games. And then, uh, as Derek said, have a good conversation. Um, educate kids that you don't win every time when you gamble. You, you know, the, it should be recreational. It shouldn't be something that you do to cope. It should be something that you do for, for fun. And if it isn't, then you need to really take a hard look at that. But know what your kids are up to. Have those conversations. We have lots of resources available. All of us are available for any questions or we can point you in the right direction. My email is scott, S-C-O-T-T dot Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N at mha.ohio.gov. And if you reach out uh, with any of the resources we've, we've mentioned, you can find one of us or all three of us pretty easily. And if uh, I don't know the answer, I know Derek does, and I can get a hold of Derek and find out what the answer is. So all of us work really well together and and we're happy to help in any way we can. Hey, again, thank you all for providing so much value-added practical information here today. Hey, and kudos to each of you for your outstanding leadership and dedicated professional efforts 365 days of year, really making a major positive impact in addressing gambling here in Ohio and today focusing and providing us this information on youth. So again, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Hey, and a reminder, for additional information, you can contact Nancy Beals, Union County Drug-Free Coalition Coordinator, Monday to Friday, nancy at mhrbuc.org. That's nancy at mhrbuc.org. And join us again when the topic will be youth and alcohol. Until then, stay healthy and stay safe.